0: you likely are pretty familiar with the account of Christ's death. Somehow, dozens of years of Good Friday and Easter Sunday services have seared these accounts into our brain, and if we're not careful, we can miss the marvel of just what happened for us at the death of Christ. And so I want to challenge you over the next few days not to gloss over this story, but to ask God to give you fresh ears to hear all that God has done for us, It's worthy of our meditation today. Looking at chapter 23 of Luke, verses 44 and 48. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three. But the sun's light failed. The curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle, and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what happened, he began to glorify God, saying, This man really was righteous. All the crowds that had gathered for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, went home, striking their chests. The timing and the imagery involved in this text in Luke are pretty remarkable when you consider all that happened. These chapters record the heinous, tragic, and agonizing death of our Lord and Savior. And what happens around those events is pretty remarkable. The text records that Jesus' death occurred around noon, verse 44, on Friday. This would have been preparation day for the Passover that would actually begin at sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. At this moment in the temple, the priest would have blown the ram's horn. And they would begin to, at this very moment, noon on Friday, begin to slaughter the lambs in preparation to be offered at the Passover the following day. Josephus said that at least 256,500 lambs would have been slaughtered for a Passover in a single year. That's in Jewish Wars 6.9.3. In the Torah, the Jews were commanded to kill the lamb on the evening of the Passover and eat the lamb with bitter herbs to remind them of the night that God first redeemed them all the way back in the Exodus. The blood of that lamb would have been smeared on the doorpost of their houses to save them from the death angel and prepare for their deliverance and subsequent exodus from Egypt. As those sacrifices began in the temple on that day, The Lamb was being sacrificed for us on the cross, and the cloud of darkness covered the earth, and an earthquake ensued. The veil of the temple that divided the most holy place where only the priest could enter was rent in two from top to bottom. That veil would have been at least six inches thick, and it was thirty feet high. One commentator said that it would have been impossible for two horses to have torn it in opposite directions. But that day, God tore it from top to bottom, because once and for all, the blood of the Lamb had forgiven man's sin, and the great high priest had given all men access to God. The earthly temple is a shadow or model of what would be in the heavenly temple in the New Jerusalem. These serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, the Hebrew writer said, as Moses was warned when he was about to complete the tabernacle. For God said, be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry, and to that degree he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been established on better promises. Hebrews 8, 5, and 6. Chapter 9, verse 12 of Hebrews tells us that he entered into the heavenly temple to atone for our sins with his own blood on the cross. But Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. He entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Hebrews nine eleven and 12. So in a moment, the shadow, the earthly, was done away with because the heavenly had been fulfilled. The veil was torn, giving access on this end to the Father on that end. What a remarkable gift. This God was now available to all, not just the Jew. The Gentile would have been forbidden to even enter the temple. But now, immediately following this, is it any wonder then that we have directly following these events a Roman centurion recognizing that Jesus was indeed God? The text says that many who were there on that day when they saw what had happened went home beating their chests. This Jewish custom symbolized recognition of wrongdoing and repentance. The action serves as symbolic punishment for their hearts, which were responsible for sin. Remember, this is the same act that the sinner does in the parable of the Pharisee and the sinner from Luke 18. So, how do we apply all of this? This repentance should be the posture of our hearts when we realize what our sin has caused. It was for our sin that this righteous, innocent lamb died. He died in our place as a substitute. Every lamb was slain in every generation as a substitute for the rightful death of those who had sinned. And now, once and for all, Jesus, the perfect, spotless, innocent lamb, sent from the Father, died for us. Experiencing the punishment that our sin deserved, and at the same time granting us access to the Father that we rightly did not deserve. In one death, he took our shame, guilt, and punishment, and we accepted his rightful access to the Father. The nature of what we deserved was placed on him, and in the self-same act, at the self-same moment, we were granted what he only deserved, access to and fellowship with the Father, as depicted in the tearing of the veil. It was all accomplished for us in these two verses, and now, even as Gentiles, we are welcomed in when we recognize our actions and come to God in repentance. When we realize what we have done, it should move us to beat our chest. In that act of repentance, the blood of Jesus Christ atones for our sins and invites us into the Holy of Holies because of that blood to have fellowship with the Father. What a remarkable gift. What an incredible sacrifice. These are concepts worthy of our meditation and worship. What an incredible Savior. Our response must be to worship Him, to enter into this holy place in His presence and to sit at His feet in worship. It must be to praise Him with our lips and with our lives, dying on our own cross to our own will and surrendering as He did to the Father's will for us as our act of worship for all that He has done. To God be the glory, great things He has. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible Podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.